Hi, this is Matt Wagner, creator of Grendel and Mage at this year's New York City Comic Con, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. You're spoiling us. I try. Yeah, it's happening. I got. I, I, I do one thing well sometimes, and I just got to make the best of it, and I give it to you when I can. <clears throat> well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave that on the green. <laughs> yeah, it's not your own kind of Yeah, the stuff I have to talk about tonight, I don't want. I don't want to get too dirty too soon. It's going to get dirty. Yeah, we don't. We don't scare away any new listeners just yet. This is true. This is true. Get into that full sense of security. It's like the the frog in the in the the soup. You turn the the heat up very, very slowly, and then it doesn't know that it's being boiled to death. Mm-hmm. Yep. And hey, everybody, turning the heat up. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 793, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I'm so glad you're back, because it's been a long week. I am David A. Price. And what's that rustling in the corner? Well, Jason. no, it's certainly Spaghetti. not Jason Wood. <laughs> Spaghetti. We thought it was the boss's kid. Um, <laughs> it's not, not Jason Wood. Jason's on assignment. Big, big, big doings. So uh, he'll be back, rest assured, next week. So we uh, corralled a kumad who to help us out. Somebody who you've heard before. Very intelligent. Very handsome, very knowledgeable, uh, very Mario. Hello, thank you very much for having me. I am very <laughs> pleased to be here. <laughs> Start off with Laka. There's only. What if I just talk yeah, like that the entire time? Well, that would be kind of cool, but there's only down after that. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Hello, thank you. Hi, guys. Hi, Mario. How are you? Hi, Mario. Hi, I miss you guys. Well, that'll be rectified really soon because we're going to Charlotte. And so are you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Going to have a good two old months. time. Is it two months? Less than two months, I think, right? It's uh, it's the weekend after Father's Day weekend this year. So it's like the 22nd and 23rd. Ah, oh, it's going to be awesome. Awesome. It is. And you know who else is awesome? Our patrons. Ooh. Our patrons oh, are yeah. awesome. Yes. This episode is brought to y'all by our wonderful patrons. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Use the number one. Don't write it out. One, one, no apostrophe, 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around. It's an awesome adventure. I like to think so because we put a lot of content onto the Patreon page. Images, text, audio, video. Jason can't do a previews thing without doing a video. We actually get to see him turn the pages. It's it's surreal. It is. Um, And... The best part about it, we have a dedicated Slack channel where all of our family gathers each and every day. We talk about comics and TV and movies and uh, music and stage productions and personal stuff. Like we have a How You Doing channel. If you're feeling a little bit up and you want to tell everybody, there's the channel. You're feeling a little bit down and you want a little pick-me-up, there's the channel. It's there. We're, that's the thing. We are family. I got all my sisters with me. And if you want to be part of the big old 11 o'clock comics family, go to patreon.com 
forward slash 11 o'clock comics. The door's open. We'd love to have you. True that. Sit down a little bit of Pizza Frida. We'll make it. We're good. Yeah. are good. Even better that we got beverages. We do have a lot of beverages. Um, are we all drinking tonight? I hope, I hope so. Is it is it a, is it a day of the week? Yes. <laughs> well, only because... Yeah, well, if it was a regular episode, chances are we wouldn't all be having a beverage. Right. Jason, he, he weasels out of it a lot. He's so conscious about his health. He's but, watching his... his 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 fit. His, yeah, uh, you know what? FYI, that'll be ending soon. He'll be. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting. It hasn't happened. But um, I actually planned. Like you people like to pick your wine with your meal. I actually carefully planned this wine because it it dovetails into what I'll be talking about later. Thematically, Ooh. yeah, thematically, it's close. It's close. Um, I think Jason would give me the old thumbs up on this because it has a decanter. It's more than $9? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it did. I spent a little bit more than I like to on this wine only because it was in the zone uh, conceptually. So I said, well, I need this. This there was The universe was telling me to buy this because I don't usually read the bottles. I just go by the labels. I like If you have an artfully designed label, that tells me that you care about the product inside. If there's a big outline of a bare foot on the bottle, you don't <laughs> you don't give a shit about the taste of your wine. So, but this wine has a decanter rating of 92, which is probably far higher than the stuff I usually drink. But I don't care about that number. Jason does, but that's why I wanted to mention that. This wine is a red blend Yes, and it's El Goru, and the vintner is Igo Bodegas. And why did I pick this wine? Well, uh, Goru, from the 17th century, friendly and admired character with a capacity of seduction and an extreme generosity for spreading his love. Hmm. Oh, uh, was remembered with affection for generations and immortalized in numerous paintings. This is wine with a story to tell. Uh, key words, love, uh, seduction, extreme, and spreading. Spreading. Yes, and you'll see why later. So, I, so what's the label look like? What's, it what's is, on the label? It is a intense-eyed man, maybe approaching 60. Uh, his hair is all wild, but the hair is um, rendered in a way that makes one think of tree branches. So he could be an earth elemental, right? Would fit in very well with Swamp Thing. Uh, it's a cool little um, label, and it's on a very high luster paper, and it has a little bit of a texture to it. So it's shiny. I'm looking at it right now. I see it now. It's the it, yeah. It's like a pen. It's like an ink drawing of this guy's yeah, face. Yeah, it's very it's, cool. It's nice. It's cool. Um, do you have a camera here? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the camera set. Look over your left shoulder. Oh, what up? <laughs> Hi. Hi, Mario. 
Ah, so there you go. El Goru from Ego Bodegas. It's very good. I got my money's worth, to say the least. Excellent. Yeah. I'll go next. I am, I am drinking. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm just laughing. Oh. Um, I'm drinking a little whiskey. Wow. Just a little whiskey to wet the palate. Um, I'm drinking a uh, Rebel Cast Strength single barrel pick uh 120 proof it's 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 a little spicy um it's up there it's very good um what do you got in it just straight oh yeah just straight nice just a just you know two fingers in the glass of of whiskey and i have a uh, i have a beer on on deck in case i get through this whiskey i have a uh brew dog cosmic apricot sour Hmm. See, the thing you want, you want Ben Grimm to be a bartender. Because when he gives you two fingers of whiskey, <laughs> you're probably going to wake up somewhere else. Yeah, when Ben gives you two fingers, you yep. wake up. He's got weird thick fingers, place. right? I'm thinking yes. of the Barry Windsor Smith Marvel fanfare yeah. cover with the yeah. massive fingers. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Alicia loved him so much. Uh, I think it was more his, <laughs> his spirit, but... <laughs> You'd like to think that. Yeah, well, you know, whatever. This man, this monster. This man, this monster. But was he? <sighs> David? Uh, well, I decided to um, marry uh, the best of both worlds on my booze. I knew that um, I had I, I wanted to do wine for Vince. But the wine I chose, um, and I figured since Jason wasn't here tonight, it'd be safe to uh, bring out the... Robert Mondavi. This is uh, this is a red blend from California from 2018, but it is a rye barrel aged red blend. So um, Mario and I enjoy the whiskeys, uh, the ryes and the bourbon. So um, I figured, why not? Why not just have something that kind of celebrates the love I have for my friends and for drinking? Ah, it's kind of nice. All I'm sen- crying. All sentimental and so shit. beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I'm he, out. He is the heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you say? No, you are. So who wants to start this dog and pony show off here? Want, want me to go? I got something that I had a hell of a lot of fun with. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Let's let's hear it. Spill it. All right. My my love for Scout Comics has increased dramatically over the past year Uh, everything i've tried most of the things i've tried from this company have really connected especially um the uh the darker stuff that uh they've been publishing the the black caravan books love them this is not part of that but it's as good or better. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't say or better because it's thematically in approach, uh, in execution, it's different. Um, it it's still for um, late teens. There's there's curse words in it, uh, but it there's no there's no profanity or 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 any of any stuff like that. It, it it's a romping adventure tale 
with with a heart and a soul. I think that everybody can can understand and and, and wrap their head around because uh, were any of us in the same position as the main character in this book, chances are we'd probably be doing the same thing. It's written by Marquisan Nasso with illustration by Jason Muir and color art and other stuff by Andre Tabacaro. And it's called By the Horns. And this is the first volume, The Wind Rises. Now get this. This volume is 20 bucks. That's the average price for a single volume trade paperback these days, right? But where this volume parts ways with the average, right? with Marvel, you'll get five issues, maybe six, right? DC around the same, you get six issues. 20 bucks, you get eight issues with this trade. Nice. Yeah, I mean, when you do the math, four bucks a piece, eight times four is not 20. So it's a value, to say the least. And the production, as with all Scout Comics, very, very heavy cover stock. A bit of a clay coat on there. Paper's thick. You don't see bleed through when when you're reading it. It's, you know, it's not tissue paper or or parchment. It's very, very weighty. It takes the ink very nice. It's a fantasy-based book, Um, in in a sense. So when we read fantasy tales here, what is the first thing we look for? A map. Yes, and it's on the inside front cover. They are not messing around. Full embrace. That's like a that's like a that's like a fantasy fan dog whistle. Yes, it it, it is. They they embrace the genre. You know what? This is a, a fantasy tale. You needs the map. We're not going to belabor the point and put it on, put it in after the contents page or the the splash. It's going on the inside front cover. You got me, right? So here's the deal with this book. It it, it walks in a couple different worlds. It, it's a fantasy tale. There are fantasy uh, creatures within this story that reside within most fantasy. Uh, Tales. Uh, maybe they differ in in form, but they are all based on other fantasy creatures, right? But it's also sci-fi, like the uh, the human population, which coexists with talking pandas and and other fantasy-based creatures. The human population they look um, their dress is not flashy. Right, um, they don't have the ornamentation of of like uh, someone in a Neil Gaiman fantasy uh, story, and but they're not as ragged and earthy as hobbits or or someone from Tolkien. Right, they their 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 clothing is very nondescript, but there's gadgetry around. Like, well, I'll get to it, but but there there's actual. Um, there's an industrialized, um, there's a technological edge to it that's not explicit, but it's there, right? So it's, this is not Tolkien. It's also not Philip K. Dick, but there's a, there's a little bit of a cross-pollinization going on, which I kind of, I like. 
and it doesn't the 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 hardware angle does isn't isn't like blasted at you they're, they're not screaming it. it's very subtle which is cool like um so here's the deal the the tale is a, a senator on a young lady named elodie she lives in the village of wayfarer in a land called solothus and had an idyllic existence Right? She married her soulmate, a young man named Shintaro. Very happy, blissful existence. They had a pet, uh, Sajen. Now, Sajen is a Zargazelle. Again, fantasy story. So he's part wolf, part gazelle, part something else. There, there looks like a little bit of fox in him. But this, this, this animal is very highly intelligent. He can speak. I think he speaks telepathically. Um, the way his word balloons are laid out, they have a real, they have two contour lines, like wavy and they, they intersect, but there's no trailing line. Like a word balloon, there's no projectile from the balloon to his mouth. So I think he speaks telepathically. I don't recall if it was explicit within the, the, narr the narrative that he speaks telepathically, but I got that impression. I'm sure you would too if you saw the word balloons. So this eloquent little beast was their was their pet. Um, like I said, state of bliss uh, until one day when Shintaro was trampled by a blessing of unicorns. And so Elodie's life um, has now become shattered, and she turns very dark, extremely dark. She's consumed by the need to avenge. Shintaro, and her solution to the problem is to eradicate every last damn unicorn in the land. There's a problem, though. Um, unicorns are very elusive. So she uh, sates that bloodlust by killing other creatures when she can't find a unicorn. Um, there's, there's a dragon whale in this, a uh, snape and tor, which is a, a snake, a cobra-like uh, anthropomorphic creature that's very hard to kill. Uh, Laguntha's. There, there's actually pages in this book that feature her, uh, a progression of her journey across the land, and there'll be a pop up, and it'll say dragon whale, and it gives a little info blurb about the dragon whale, and then for all the other creatures in the book. And then if she stops at a, at a tavern, there'll be a, you know, a big flagon of mead, and they'll say, you know, Mead was great, company not so much, you know, stuff like that. So when she can't find a unicorn, she's busying herself killing these these monsters. Ma many of them are magical. And the people back at Wayfair are getting kind of ticked, right? Because it's a village and everybody has to work together um, for the sake of the group, Uh farming and tilling and planting and and hunting and gathering and she's not doing any of that because she's not around she's out killing stuff and um so this is where the technology part of the technology edge creeps in she's she returns from uh, a romp and she has this this wagon like contraption hovering behind her and, and it's full of monster heads so she's been busy Right, and uh, 
Shintaro's grandfather is close to her. And he's like, honey, it, it, it's going to go south. The, the council's not happy. You're never around. You're not helping out. Why even be here at all? And, and that's the conclusion to which the council comes. They, they banish her because she doesn't help anybody. So they're like, go, go do your stuff. Go find yourself. Avenge, you know, our, our dearly departed. And then when you're done, maybe, maybe we'll think about letting you in. And so she does. And and this is, is where this tale of revenge becomes a story of a reluctant hero. So life kind of creeps in when Elodie's making other plans. And she and, and Sajin are hunting for unicorns. They're, they're, they're doing it. And they stumble across a place called Lycus, which is this, this sleepy little coastal village. And she's looking around. And she's like, do you, do you see anything different? about this place and and Sajin's like she's like there's no magic here what what the hell's the deal there's uh, I'm looking around there's very minimal there, there's like a magic shop and, and not you know pull my finger magic there's actual <laughs> magic and the place is like almost barren so she finds out that the place is being held hostage by an evil sorcerer and this guy's name's Futin the dark demon sorcerer of the eastern wind Invitations are a bitch for this guy. So he's a nasty bit of business, and he's demanding that the people of the town bring him magical creatures on the regular. Needs them, wants them. If you don't give them to me, I'm going to destroy your whole freaking town. So they have to comply, right? And when he gets the magical creatures, he drains them of their magic. Now, Elodie puts two and two together. This guy is rounding up magical creatures. Unicorns are magical creatures. So, therefore, it stands to reason that Futin must have a few on hand, right? And he does. He does. He has a pair, actually. Their names are Rigby. And get this. The other unicorn's name is Zoso. Okay? If you know your Zeppelin, you're all going, right? But, I mean, these guys embrace the metal fantasy connection because there's a town in this book called Dio. I mean, if you're going to tip <laughs> if you're going to tip the hat, let's do it upright. So these two unicorns are being held captive by Futin. And Elodie and Sajin, they storm the place and shit goes south. Futin is very very powerful. But in the end, Elodie has to rely on the unicorns to save her ass. The Stuff's going very bad. Um, death is on the horizon. And the unicorns offer her their horns. I didn't see this coming. I thought when a unicorn loses its horn, it's, it's dead. But obviously not. Because they she snaps the, hor- the unicorn horns off their heads. And this is cool. This is uh, very unexpected. The horns can combine in a variety of ways. Magical ways. They can become a missile, magic missile. They can become a speed. Yeah, it's really cool. Like the the one the one unicorn's purple. I think the other one is green. And so when when the the horns get to to doing the horn stuff, I mean it's very colorful. And and again, 
I didn't see it. Like, okay, if someone told you, yeah, and you, she's going to snap the horns off the unicorns and use them as weapons. They're magically infused weapons. She's fighting a magical being. She needs an edge. She's just got guns and shit and blades and, and stuff. Oh, see, I was going to ask you this. So you said there's a technological aspect to it, mm-hmm. right? And it's also fantasy. But, like, I was going to ask you, what kind of weapons is she using? She, so there are... They're, no, they is it they, all like blasters. Is she using like like projectile guns? Mostly, What's her, pro- like mostly. Pro- I'm looking through it now. Mostly projectiles. Um, like and 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 Futon actually has Futon. Futon actually has mm-hmm. a metal arm. So think fantasy based with a little but not, bit. Not swords. Uh, no, there are swords in it. Okay. Yeah, it is a magical story. The story with magic as a, a foundation. Um, yeah, I mean that's it's it's a it's a, a beautifully realized cross pollinization of, of fantasy and sci fi. But the sci the, the fantasy is more explicit than the sci fi. Okay. So she's combining these these horns in a variety of of interesting ways, and she's disgusted to have had to rely on the very thing she hates just to stay alive. But that's not all, because in taking down Futon, she saves a, a lackey of his, and it's a floating tendril wrapped magic eyeball named. Evelyn, <laughs> I you can't you, it writes itself right, uh, and this this character is very perceptive to magic. It can detect when magic is around because it had to bring magical things to its boss, so it knows it it, it has a, um, a an extra sensory ability to detect magic. So if you're hunting unicorns. Wouldn't it be neat to have a floating eyeball named Evelyn around that can tell you when there's magic in the area? Okay, Of course it would. Yeah, but here's the big rub. So I'll spill the beans on the first fight. Elodie brings down Futon, kills him. But he was not the only evil sorcerer of the ancient wind. There are three more. And his power was absorbed by the remaining three. So, with his power transferred to the other sorcerers, with each successive battle, the power of Elodie's remaining foes increases exponentially. It's awesome. It's a really neat hook. There are. Lo- I'm not going to spill it because there are a lot of twists and turns in this book. I will guarantee you, you don't see something coming. I Sounds really good. Like is this a complete story, Vince, or is this an ongoing that's still happening? This is still happening. Season two uh, just uh, started. I believe issue one came out. Ooh. The first trade is what? Seven issues? Eight. eight oh, is- okay. Eight issues for 20 bucks. Now, if Jason was looking at the art, he'd be like, why are you reading this? This is not your cuppa. The the art is very clean. The art the art's great though. Yeah, I it's like it's the art a lot. It's clean. I I think the art is wonderful. I I I think Mr. Muir did a great job, and and the coloring by uh, Tabacaro. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tabacaro is is just fascinatingly rich and uh, and it, not overpowering. So there's a lot of color combinations going on. 
on the page, but it doesn't look like uh, a unicorn threw up, right? It doesn't. It, it's very, it's handled very well. I, there's something about this book, the fun aspect, just the no heavy lifting. It, it, you're in on the ground floor. I can understand, uh, maybe not respect Elodie's actions because at one point in the story, she's like, look, we got two unicorns with us. The unicorns come with her on the hunt for the other sorcerers. And she's like, we have two unicorns with us. Why don't we just torture the fuckers and we'll find out where other unicorns are. And, and Sajin's like, this is not you. This is not the woman who, uh, who rescued me. I failed to mention that. Sajin was rescued. And he's very, very rare. He has never seen another of his kind. And many people see him, they're like, holy shit, is that a Zargazel? What's up with that? Like, where'd this come from? So, I mean, there's a lot of wrinkles in this in this tale. I thought it was brilliant. I love it. Um, I'm in. It, I, I saw it in previews as it was being solicited. And I'm like, wow, I should, that looks like something I'd like. Maybe I should try that. And it wasn't, I probably recognized or, or realized by the seventh issue that I should have been buying it in singles. So as soon as the trade was solicited, bam, I was on it. And I'm so glad I bought it. I think it's great. But I'm a very, very easy mark for fantasy stories, as Jason will tell you. And this was great. I, I, I don't want to um, embellish it any further because I have a tendency to let crucial information go. And, and I don't think I want to risk that because sure. it goes places. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of an Ultraverse book for some reason. I'm looking at preview pages of it right now. I can see that. I, I don't can see that. Maybe feeling. it's the coloring. I don't. I don't know. It the might color. be the coloring. Yeah. But I can see that like uh, prime kind, like you know, like not that it's was that Brayfogle who did prime. Yeah, Brayfogle yeah. did prime. Yeah, sure. yeah. Not yeah. that it looks like Brayfogle, but there's some quality to it. I could feel. I could feel that, or maybe even like a, um, maybe even like a cross gen. Mantra. Mantra. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would yeah cross gen I guess qualifies sure yeah that's yeah that's a good good comparison but I I thoroughly loved it I got done reading it and I was like wow I don't often say that when I I, I pick up a new series like woof that was really well done uh, there 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 are novelties within the book that will surprise you but all in all it's just a really well done captivating fantasy tale with some sci-fi thrown in just to sweeten the pot. And the designs on the the ancient wind sorcerers are just phenomenal. It starts off slow with with Futon, but as it progresses they get increasingly more detailed and uh uh I thought better realized. Like each one was an improvement on the one that came before. Loved it. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, it looks good. Yep. And if you want to see images of these covers and pages, go to 11oClockComics.com, click on the episode thread, and you will see a gallery that pops up, and there's pictures in there. You're not going to see any pictures from the next thing I'm going to talk about, Uh, except for the covers. I can't put these pictures up. I can't. There's no way. 
Yeah. So what don't else? Don't do it. What else do we have? Well, I don't want to get, you know, slapped. What else do we have? I'll go. Yay. I can, I can, I can talk. Um, so I read a, uh, a graphic novel um, out of Humanoids Press. Press, right? They're Humanoids Press. They're humanoids, whatever we're calling them, right? Um, and you know, I don't usually buy a lot of humanoid stuff. Uh, if there's a Yodorowsky that I don't have, I will buy it. But other than that, I don't venture too far out into the humanoid stuff other than that. But a couple months ago, I saw this solicited, and I thought, well, this looks interesting. I think I might, uh, you know, I read the description, and I thought it looked interesting, and I picked it up, and I'm glad I did. And it's um, it's written by Tim Seeley, which kind of, like, you know, made me think, like, oh, I don't read a ton of Tim Seeley, but I like the Tim Seeley I've read before. Uh, illustrated by a name that I am going to butcher, because this 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 person is obviously uh, perhaps Greek, but it's Elias Kiriazis, perhaps. Um, and, uh, and the book is called Chronophage. And uh, what it is, is it's a self, you know, self-contained graphic novel. Uh, it wasn't in issue form or anything. It came out fully, fully in a graphic novel. And it's, um, it's the story. It's, I'm going to say it's a little bit, little bit sci-fi, little bit horror. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's definitely some, there's some body horror in here, like that kind of body horror stuff. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically the story of a woman and, uh, her name is Chloe. She's just a, uh, she's a single mom, um, who had a child when she was like 15 or 16. Um, you know, she's just struggling to, you know, she works at like a dollar store. She's struggling to balance her work with her, you know, what she wants to do in life, which is she wants to make clothes, right? She like, she likes to take pieces of fabric and put it together in interesting ways and make interesting designs and, 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 and things like that. Um, but then she, uh, you know, one one evening here at the beginning of the story, she meets, she goes into a bar. Uh, she's having a bad night. She goes into a bar, and it's like a little, I think it's like a Czech, like a Czech, Chechnyan kind of bar near um, near her work. And she goes in, and uh, she sits down, and she orders a beer, and this gentleman comes up next to her and, you know, says something to her just to break the ice and uh you know she they strike up a conversation he buys her a beer uh she kind of shrugs him off at first but then uh, he kind of wins her over and they start you know they 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 hook up they have a they they, and they start kind of having a relationship and he says he is uh he says his i forget what his name is um but oh his name's heath here it is heath um but they uh they start a relationship, um, but then things start getting weird. And as you're reading the book, you notice that uh, one of her friends calls her because she's having some mental health issues, wants Chloe to come over and help. Chloe doesn't go and help because she's with Heath. The friend then unfortunately takes too many pills and ends her life. 
Um, and then when it comes back to her, you know, in, a, in another day or so, she has no idea who this person is. Like this, this, this person that kills herself is brought up to her and she's like, I don't know who that is. I have no idea who that is. Um, and it goes on from there. And you basically what you end up finding out is that this man that she's dating and have a relationship is something which the Tim C is calling a chronophage, which if you know your um, chrono Greek, I'm guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Greek. Chronos, yeah. Yeah, if you, get, if you know your Greek, it's it's time and it's eating, and he is a he is an alien who eats time. Yikes! So he eats moments in your life, as you know that that's what that's what his sustenance is. So you know it, you don't realize it, but like he's eating pieces of your memory, pieces of your past, and they're totally disappearing from you. Oof! It's um, like dementia. Yeah, kind of in a way. Um, so you know, uh, the story continues. He's you know he's slowly eating away. Her, you know, uh, she's having troubles with her daughter. Um, really, it's it's really it's really a story about the relationship between this mom and her daughter, and the Chloe is the mom, the Chloe and her daughter, and Chloe and her mother, who is you know not too terribly old because Chloe had her daughter when she was sixteen. So mom's probably you know. Daughter's now like sixteen. Mom's probably in her early fifties. Um, so it's these, it's these three women and their relationship and understanding, um, you know, that the love between them as a family unit. Because I mean, as you're reading it, and I, this doesn't really spoil anything, you know, really anything. I, I think I, there's so much that happens in this book, but you can see that it's coming, like he's going to make her daughter go away. Ooh. Right. Because, you know, she has these memories of when she was 16 and we see them in flashback and stuff of her not wanting to be pregnant. Right. She doesn't want to have this baby. Uh, but her mom talks to her and says, you know, like, and it's a really nice couple page moment of the speech from this mom. And I thought like, this is a great thing. I need to remember this to say to my kids, if I ever need to say something like this. And it's pretty much just along the lines of, you know, life gives us what we have and we, we take it and we, you know, we make the best of it as we can and it doesn't make sense. And it does. And at the time it might seem awful, but you know, later in your life, you'll look back and you'll understand that that is what made you who you are. Right. That's just, you know, that kind of idea. And, and, and that factors into the idea that she takes these pieces of clothing and makes shirts out of them. Right. There's these little pieces that make up the whole, and it's the same thing with as a person. There's these little pieces of time that right. make you up as a person, yeah. and he's eating these things from her. Um, but you know, it, I would say the heart of the story really is the the humanity of of Chloe and her daughter and her mom. You know, we see her her dreams, we see her regrets, we see her sacrifices. You know, she's a very relatable character. She's a very relatable. If, if you're a parent, it's very rela- relatable. Um, if you have a daughter, it's very relatable. Um, it's you know, it's it's nice to see the characters you know get through this drama, and 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 it's really just their love that gets them through it. Um, it has a pretty shocking ending. Um, 
but it's you know it's it's a unique I think it's 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 a unique take on like time manipulation like it's not like time travel although we see these moments in the past um, but it's 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 this time manipulation is happening and it's it there's horror elements to it um, kind of blurs the lines between sci-fi and supernatural um, it can be confusing I thought it was kind of confusing at the beginning but then it you know it kind of comes together right. Um, there's there's some there's some comic reference in it in the sense that when Heath the alien is and he's just he's just a normal guy right I mean you see his true form later which Vince you would really enjoy looking at um, it right now <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know Heath um, I don't know what I was saying um, I lost it right there um, welcome to uh, middle age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know the art. The art is the art is, is is good. It's not my favorite art. The art really. It's. I was, I was looking to see what else this uh, this gentleman had done. He did that Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency that I think was through IDW, which I did not read. Um, he did GI Joe Mask, which I did not read. Um, <laughs> it's Bill Murray all over again, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it's it's there's something about this book and when i finished it and i said and i thought about it what really struck me is it feels like all right we've all been reading comics for a really long time it yep. feels like all right it's the mid 90s right maybe early mid 90s david's probably not reading comics at this point right david you're out at this point <laughs> It depends on, but generally, okay. yeah, no. All right. So I'm one of those few people that n- I never had a gap. Vince, did you ever have a gap? No. Okay. Um, so, right. yeah. <laughs> 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 so it reminds me of the early mid 90s when there was such an amazing amount of product out there, right? Too much. There was a lot of junk. And there was a lot of like middle of the road stuff and then some really good stuff. But there were so many companies and it feels like a comic that would have just come out at that time, maybe from a caliber, you know what I mean? Mm. Maybe from a, um, what was that? What was that? Uh, I mean, it could be, it could be a nineties dark horse book. Um, who published white like she, like, it feels like, um, it feels like almost um not the art the art is what makes me feel this. it feels it, it feels very serviceable mm-hmm. nothing phenomenal right. but also not like you know it it tells a story well um it's just, it's not necessarily my favorite type of art in a comic um but it's you know uh i think he's really good at facial expressions um emotions which is needed for this um, his body horror stuff and alien stuff's really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, I know what I was saying. There's a, earlier when I couldn't remember what I was saying, there's parts <laughs> where it breaks the fourth wall in a oh, way. Nice, nice. That, like, when the Heath is showing her parts of her, like, life that he's taking away that before she realizes that they're gone, but then she forgets anyway. It's, he's showing her it, and it's like, He's showing her a comic page that's that's on the you know like in in her mind, and then we see that comic page maybe later, 
So like he's showing her this nine pin on your grid and you're, and I'm trying to read it, but it's so small. And I'm like, what's going on here? But he, but it's something that you flash back to later and you're like, Oh, that's what he took. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, um, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, plenty of gore and body horror, um, which kind of is a nice contrast to the, the really human scenes and the lots of sex, lots of sex in this. Nice. Um, between him and her. That's pretty much what their relationship is for a long time is just, just knocking the boots. Um, and there's a reason for that, which you find out later. Um, but it's, you know, page layouts are, you know, just kind of traditional, nothing, nothing crazy there, but you know, sometimes ideas, uh, concepts are enough. Um, I, 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 I'm looking at the art. I don't think it's, I, I think it's good, right? It, it, it's not spectacular. It's right. good. It's good. It, uh, it does the job, but like Burrow said, um, uh, to paraphrase, ideas don't let go, right? Re- really, really good ideas, really good concepts. So sometimes a a concept like this, uh, an alien that steals moments of your life, that's a pretty cool uh, concept on which to ponder, right? So I think that gives you a lot more mileage uh, after the fact, I mean, you're still coasting long after you close the last cover. So uh, that to me is a win. Right? It's got French flaps. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. It's got French flaps. Oh, Crank did the lettering. You almost never see that. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but, I mean, on the subject of Tim Seeley, I, I've. Tim yeah. hit, hit me hard uh, long ago, for basically from um, Hack Slash. Right. And I think, um, I don't want to say the the rucka, strong female character bullshit, but Seeley writes genders other than his own really, really well. Like he seems to know how, he needs, seems to know the female mind. And it's it, it, it for as a as a man. I we know Tim. I, I'm pretty confident he identifies as male. Um, for him to be able to slip into a, a totally different consciousness, because as we all know, there's a lot of difference between the male and the female mind, right? Seely seems to be able. He seems very uh, uh, facile around that type of of writing like cassie i think is one of the best characters ever in comics because she's so real her motivations are base right they're 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 parking lot but she realizes that i'm just she's much like uh the uh main character of of, uh by the horn she just wanted she wants to go out and kill all the serial killers because of what happened to her i get it right but it's it's the character that makes us stay. The events are fine and, and, and exciting and memorable, but it's the characters that keep us coming back. And that's why I read Hack Slash all of it. Just because I love Cassie. And I well, I love Vlad too, but it, Cassie's the reason why I, I will read everything uh, eventually that Tim does because I think he's really good at, at what he does. And he's smart too. Um, people like to give Scotty credit for making the transition from images to to writing but i think tim saw that boat uh a lot of years before scotty right 
whatever. I I, I got to read this. I've, yeah, yeah, it's good. It, and it, I mean, it, it totally is just a. It's just a complete good read. You know, it's not something that I was like, oh, like blew my mind, right? It's just that good quality. This was a great comic. Yeah, made me have some feels. Really enjoyed it. Hope someone else reads it. Right. On to the next one. I have a little game based on something that you you mentioned in your little uh, review of that. Okay. Uh, breaking the fourth wall. What are your favorite comics that are notable for their their breaking of the fourth wall? And you can't say Animal Man because that's the goat. That's an easy. Okay. That's an easy one. Oh yeah, Animal Man. Well, no, that doesn't. That doesn't qualify. It would be easy for me. I haven't read it, so right. Um, does uh, we're talking about moments or just comics in general? Comics that just had had many. Well, you have to have more than one instance for it to be notable as a breaking of the fourth wall comic, right? So something that regularly popped up in a in a in a series or. You know, standalone graphic novel or something where where the characters engage in the wall breaking. They 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 motion or speak directly to the reader. Let me go. Got one. Me, oh, uh, I got I got one. Go ahead. And I, for me, this is the best one. Oh man, it's it's gonna be mine, isn't it? What is it? She Hulk. Oh, okay. That popped in my mind. That's a good one. Yeah, the Burns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I loved it when that happened. I was waiting for it. Uh, she did it on the cover. Right, mm-hmm. and then continued. Jen would do it regularly. Um, here's another one. Uh, again, maybe obvious. Elvira constantly broke the fourth wall. Really? Oh, yeah. Obvious in, to you in the Claypool series. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have one that immediately came to mind, but I really can't say if it qualifies or not. Hmm. But uh, understanding comics. Mm. Yes, that's like the narrative. That's how the narrative is set up, right? Yeah, Con- yeah conversational. He's talking to the yeah. reader, as as yeah. So. No, I think that qualifies as breaking the fourth wall. Mine, mine. Well, yeah, is, but mine I just mean Cerebus. as far as the comics here. Oh, Cerebus. Because he, you know, he talks. He there's multiple times in there where he talks to Dave Sim, right? Um, he's talking to Dave, which is he- like like his god, kind of for a little while, right? Right. Right, and then the last. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> and then the and then the it shit it shits the bed. <laughs> and then it shits but, the bed. But uh, no, I mean, it, I guess actually, I, there are parts in that where uh, God actually, well, whatever the thing is that Dave Sim believes as God, uh, actually addresses the reader at one point, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. If you could decipher that through the the walls of tiny text. You know, this isn't a really big one, but this is something that is so classically comics that you have. I think you have to say it is that is the like Kurt Swan Superman, the wink. Or you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Stop, the, David's going to bring it up. Go. No, I'm not. I'm not. I know exactly what Mario's talking about. Yes, the whole, especially yeah, the Alan Moore story at the end where he, yes. he closed the door and winks. But, say but it. yes, there, say there was not. Is this your card? <laughs> <laughs> It <laughs> not. It's so good. That series uh, was really good. Yeah, so. did they hardcover that or, or uh, did, I don't know. They should have. God, if any I mean, series begged for 
Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it, if they do and, and we see it at a con, I could see myself double dipping, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they did. I don't think they did. I don't think they did that for that or the lowest lane that was going on at the same time. I think they were both trades. If hey. it, if they did, I don't even know if they did. I'm just guessing. I, I would I would I would assume they did, but I I can't say for certain. And and of course Deadpool. I mean, he's the poster child sure. for, for wall breaking. Or um, Mouse also. Ambush bug, yes, yes. Oh, ambush bug's definitely a good one. Yeah, yep. Um, uh, Lobo. Oh hell yeah! Why? How come you didn't come up with that right in the beginning? You just got it. You just, you just, you just realized it. I would even say, hmm. Oh, there was some issues of Howard the Duck that that broke the fourth oh, wall. Right. Yeah. Assistant editors month. There, there was no walls during that entire month. <laughs> there was not. <laughs> I mean, and, and random issues of John Byrne's Fantastic Four, like when the Trial of Galactus, because Byrne... Although, no, he wasn't really talking. He was just part of the story. He wasn't talking to the reader. My bad. One um, could argue that every appearance of Uatu is fourth wall breaking. Oh, yes. And every appearance and every issue of Marvel Fanfare where Alan Milgram is talking to the reader. Shit, every issue of Epic Comics with... with um, Archie talking yeah, to the reader. Yes. Archie right in the inside front cover. Yep. Yeah. Hell, we're onto something here. This is good. The giant good anthology thanks. of... Thanks, fans. ...of fourth wall-breaking comics. <laughs> I, I like it when, when, the, when that happens. Um, it, because if the creative team is doing their job, I often forget that i'm uh to a certain extent like i i hold it in my hands i can feel the paper and i know i'm reading something but but there are some instances where i almost forget that i'm reading because i'm captivated by the story and then the fourth wall is broken and it just hits you from left field like what like because then you're in a different mind space you're an observer in in one sense but then you're actually a participant and an observer when the fourth wall is broken Right. So I, I think it's a lot of fun. I also like those moments when, like, the character uh, informs that fourth wall breaking. Like, like I feel like there's isn't there moments where the Joker breaks the fourth wall, and the part of that is because Joker, no, like Joker, knows he's in a comic, or there's characters that are like that sometimes. Yeah, that like almost have an ability to see the fact that they are in a comic. That almost gets because they're that crazy, right? But but then you get into Morrison. A little bit too clever territory, right? Where it's done. Are you talking about Animal Man? No, no, that's perfection. But I, yeah, I mean, I'm like that's like that's like the goat. That's like like it, that's that's what set the table really. For it's the, you know yeah. That's why I said you can't mention it, but we did. Mm-hmm. How could you not? It, again, it was right on the cover. But uh, I was going to say something. Um, and I think I have the Mario disease because I, yeah. I can't remember it. Yeah. Um, too clever. Yes. Too clever. Yeah. Can't be too clever or contrived. Uh, Joker. Yes. I lost it. Damn it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it wasn't that exciting. There you go. Fourth wall breaking comics. Really good stuff. Somewhere down the line before we hang up our our, our head headsets, 
on this episode. It'll come to me, and I'll blurt it out and just ruin somebody's discussion. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it rolls. What you got, David? Uh, there's one thing that I had to check out when it was um, when it was announced. Uh, a, because I like these two writers a lot. Uh, and two, because I like the character. And it's um, it's it's a little weird because I wasn't aware of a um, this is kind of sort of a spinoff of um, of events from uh, Batman Urban Legends. But I'm talking about the first issue of Batman Beyond Neo Year. Uh, it is written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, who have been doing an amazing job with the Star Trek property on uh, over with IDW. They also recently, um, they were writing for Marvel, the Kang series. And I, they're clever, they're witty, they're charming. They, they, they've written some of my favorite Star Trek comics in, um, in recent years. But, uh, but I am a Batman BN, Batman, Batman Beyond fan. Um, I enjoyed the most recent series that wrapped up uh, a year or so ago. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, this is basically, there's, I guess something that happened in Batman Urban Legends number seven. Uh, and this is picking up from there. And, uh, and I guess things happened about two months ago and Terry is kind of just picking up the pieces from that. Um, Batman, Bruce Wayne is gone uh there are a little there are a couple things here where i'm not i'm not sure if they're just kind of um maybe doing a soft reboot of sorts or just resetting it uh terry's analog in the sense where he's writing down in a journal he's writing on paper because this way the the secrets can stay with him it's not something it's not open to um to, to any surveillance or anything like that they can't hack in and read this so he's telling the story and it's all it's all on paper um but there's you know there's been like two months where he's uh gotham just seems to um so two months ago uh terry or batman um well basically it gotham city is is basically a character um and and terry seems to be um fighting it's weird it it, it almost reads as though he's fighting gotham because um gotham um yeah gotham had killed bruce wayne uh, within the hour, criminals shot one another for my money. Companies sought, companies bought and sold one another at my whim. By midnight, I controlled my own streets, my own markets, my own people. Neo Gotham is alive, and no one knows except for Batman, except for Terry. So he's, um, you know, he, he's he's still he's still being Batman. He's stopping muggings where he can. He's trying to save lives where he can. He doesn't. It's not always successful. Um, 
I mean, there's one night where there's been like 15 muggings and two assaults and an unsuccessful kidnapping rescue. Uh, he's extremely busy, and 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 he's just he's just doing what he can do to uphold uh, Bruce's vision. He's not going to stop fighting. Batman will endure, and um, and and there's you know, Wayne Powers still exist. Still a company, um, but uh, but there's a a former crime lord um, from Bloodhaven. His name is uh, Donovan Lumos, and uh, he's basically referred to as the holographic man. And um, Terry is going to kind of crash this party that Wayne Powers is uh, is is throwing, and. Um, and yeah, and and the guy Donovan really is. He's he's basically made a light. He's 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 a hologram for the most part. Uh, Terry does put a tracker on him because he um, he recognizes Terry in the crowd, and he's like, "I've been so psyched to meet you, man." I mean, Bruce Wayne is he's a legend. It was really cool that you got to know the old guy, uh, but it must have sucked. He says to not know, you know, how he was in his prime, um, and Terry kind of takes offense to that does the whole, you know, keep my man's name out of your mouth stuff. And, um, and, you know, Loomis is like, yeah, whatever, dude, it's cool. But, uh, you know, I run this company. So, um, basically, uh, history is written by the winners sort of thing. Um, but the tracker picks up what, um, Donovan is saying. And there's, um, there's going to be some, uh, some drugs coming into the docks. So, um, so Terry's gonna do what he can to put the kibosh on that. He does stop by the, uh, the police station and sees Commissioner Gordon, who's, there's still a Commissioner Gordon, it's still Barbara for, for those of us who watch the cartoon. Um, and, uh, and, and Barbara's pretty much, she's done. She's, she's ready to call it quits. Um, she, she's retiring. She's been at it way too long or too many people dead. Some of them are even friends. Um, but, uh, you know, she reminds Terry that she and Bruce built the department to something that could last longer than the two of them. Uh, so, you know, let, let, let's see if it can do that. But um, she's content because the crime rate is flat. Things just really... Um, the city is kind of maintaining, even though there are some still bad things happening, some wrongdoings going on. Uh, so like Terry thinks Batman is still necessary, but, um, but yeah, so, so Barbara's pretty much done and, and, uh, she turns her back on Terry and walks off the rooftop into, into the precinct. Terry goes to the docks to, um, stop the drugs from coming in. And all of a sudden this character shows up who looks like he's just right out of, um, an early, image book it, it, almost life held death is the way the character appears he's got a holographic sword or at least a sword made out of light um that can change its shape or at least extend the length of uh of the blade uh but it's not a reboot it's not some old batman rogue who's kind of reinvented himself or someone taking on the name of of someone that uh that the old batman faced uh completely new seems to be uh Terry's own foe, at least for this first issue. Uh, they fight a bit. 
and then uh, there's a bit of a of a cliffhanger because uh, the building that they're on, it looks like um, uh, Gotham Sword. I, he calls himself Sword. I don't know if he's Gotham Sword, his full name, or if it's just Sword. But uh, but he says, yeah, I am it's Sword. So I'm going to say that he's Gotham Sword. But uh, he's like, you know, he's telling Batman that the city's not out to get you it doesn't want to hurt you it's not it's not out for your head it basically it, it, it just it wants your compliance and um and you know you you um there basically there's there's a balance that's going to be maintained the city's going to maintain its balance and you're not going to be able to upset that you're not going to change anything um and and the building that they're standing on huge explosion double page spread with a huge boom uh and uh and terry's falling and and the last page is is basically you know he's still swearing to bruce that um that i'm gonna keep fighting uh but you know the wreckage his seems to be falling with him and that's that's the end of the first issue so uh it's it's a pretty nifty jumping on point if you're not familiar if you've never read any batman beyond stories you kind of uh I think you're safe with just checking this out. Max Dunbar's art is uh, is is pretty good. I think it's fitting. It's um, I mean, it doesn't look like the Bruce Tim stuff. He's not trying to draw like the animated series, um, but I like uh, I like the Dunbar art. Um, Sebastian Chang on colors, but uh, but yeah, I'm curious to see what Colin and Jackson do. Shout out to Jason's boys. Do with uh, with with this. With the character and with this series, I, I I'm definitely going to stick with it for for the next couple of issues to see how things shake out. But um, but it definitely felt like a different Batman Beyond book. Obviously, with no Bruce Wayne, with no with no Ace, with no Batcave, um, there's there's definitely something missing. Uh, but I think if you're a fan of the character. Um, I don't know if I can say that this feels like a natural progression or if this is just you know an evolution of, of where, where the character in this Gotham should be, or could be. Um, it is just, it's for, for a first issue, it's a solid jumping up on, like I said, but it just feels for somebody who is familiar with the character and it's setting and it's supporting cast. It feels a little weird because that's missing here. And I'm not going to say it can't succeed without them. If they're, moving beyond it and, and, uh, no pun intended and, and are trying to see what, um, what can come of it with just Terry kind of being on his own. Cause I don't even know if his family is still around, uh, if his brother's missing or dead or what have you. But, um, but I thought for first issue, it was pretty solid. I, uh, I dug it. So I am, uh, I will be back there. I might have some questions, but I think that uh, I don't know if I'm going to track down that urban legends issue to find out what, um, what Terry's been up to in between series, but uh, I think they'll be able to do a decent job of um, filling in filling in any gaps a reader might have. But uh, but as far as the first issue goes, or a new status quo, if you want to call it that, I think this was a this was a pretty solid effort. So yeah, I I, I didn't know what to expect going in. I just I'm familiar with the character. I'm familiar with these two guys as writers because of what I've read from them in the past. That isn't necessarily big two work. Um, but it was nifty. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be back for the second issue. Cool. I got a favorite Terry McGinnis story. D- 
do you now? Yeah, you're probably going to laugh and poo-poo it, but I, mean, I haven't read a ton of, of stories featuring Terry McGinnis other than the the ongoing that the, was kind of in the same spirit as the Batman, the animated. Yep. Yeah, that was a good series. I love Terry McGinnis in Future's right. End. I think he's great in that series. Oh, yeah. Not many people like Future's End. I don't know why. I thought it was cool. Um, maybe it was the wild, the Wildstorm characters that got kind of folded into things. I don't know. I, I think he's he's a lot of... Uh, he's one of the better characters in Future's End. Yeah, and he has a purpose, right? He's got to stop the stuff from happening. Kind of... Kind of Sarah Connor-ish. But I thought it was cool. But again, yeah. I'm, I'm not well-versed in Batman Beyond. Yeah, my wife absolutely loves McGinnis. She's, she's a huge Batman Beyond fan. The cartoon's great. Yes, yeah, it really is. Yeah, I like Bruce with the underbite. It's kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I mean, it, it just, I mean, it, it was, it, he was, it, it was the perfect, um, I mean, I'm glad they finally realized that they're finally doing it. But, it, I mean, it was just, it would be perfect for, you know, an older Michael Keaton to be that version of Bruce Wayne and, and, and have a new Batman under his wing. I, I, I thought they um, they could have done something with that. Uh, but, yeah, I just, it, it's, it was a, I thought it was a nice change from the usual someone finds a scarab or someone just, you know, ends up becoming that character carrying on the mantle whether it's a ghost rider or a blue beetle or something like that and it's like with no connection really to the past except for the name of the character here is bruce wayne who was batman basically talking someone through being a new batman and and he still has the support and everything's there and he's got the knowledge he's just a new kid a new body um a younger body who's able to handle the pressure of the job but it was it was still you know bruce wayne was still alive and and therefore batman still existed and and he was he was handing it over more or less but it wasn't somebody who was just kind of winging it and going it on their own yeah yeah i really like that uh the movie they released that joker movie i thought that was really yes fun. yeah that was yeah and it was dark too jesus dude's dying yeah <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I read a Bat Family book, comic book. I'm sitting here, like when you're talking, I'm sitting here to think like, when was the last time that I read a Batman family book? It's and it's yeah, and 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 the thing is, I really, except for and the only thing I aside from this, the only thing I'm reading, yes, of course, I mean the Bendis Justice League Batman was in it, but the only other thing is. Um, recently that that comes immediately to mind is is the new world's finest by wade and mora and but i mean i don't necessarily know if i even consider that a batman yes batman's in it but i don't know if that's that's not necessarily in the dc's batman corner of uh right yeah. of the universe does death metal count as a bat family book for you sure because that's death the last metal book. always counts you mean the comic or the style of music no the comic <laughs> style of music of course yeah <sighs> All right. What you got? Um, I got a disclaimer is what I have. Oh, oh. yes. Yeah. Uh, if you have little ones listening, mm. even if you have you have teen ones listening, I would wait to listen to the rest of this or at least 
maybe fast forward uh, for about 10 minutes. I don't know. Uh, because the, the book I'm going to talk about is extremely explicit. I, you guys know my tastes. I am a unique specimen among most people because I am unflappable where I realize a lot of people are not. Sex and violence disturbs people. And there's a whole lot of both of those things in this book. So if any of that stuff bothers you, maybe you should just forward. Uh, or again, if there's, there's uh, underage or impressionable ears listening, just do them and yourself a favor and just fast forward. You can listen to it later. So. I'm excited now. I am excited. Got my pants off. Oh, well, you know, that's the perfect spirit in which to consume this spirit. Uh, because, I don't really have my pants off. Well, we're, we're, that's our, our loss. This, is the, this book, I can, I can sum it up in one sentence. I hope succinctly. It's Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. But Marlon Perkins, you know, I used to watch from the bushes. He's not only watching. He is tugging away at his little member, giggling like a fool. That's that's what this book is. Spaghetti. It is <laughs> Barlow's Guide to Creatures That Fuck. <laughs> it's blubber. Written and illustrated by Gilbert Hernandez. If you're going to wave a finger, wiggle a finger at, at, at those responsible, well, it's only one man. It's a delicious descent into depravity. And needless to say, I loved it. I want to call it the greatest comic ever published, <laughs> but that's hyperbole. But I sure feel that way right now after having just read it. It feels like the greatest comic ever published. <laughs> What's it about? Uh, okay, what's it about? <laughs> Josh Bayer likes to say, who's fucking? Well, in Blubber, everybody's fucking. Literally, I went page by page. It's a six-issue series. Uh, I think it was done between 2015 to 2020. No, wow. 1995 to 2021. It's only six issues. Um, and uh, buyer beware. If you're a completist, look for the individual issues because this is this book is not complete. It leaves out some of the stuff from the single issues. But whatever. It's neither here nor there. You get more than enough in this hardcover. From Fantagraphics, by the way. So what's it about? Well, the blubber in the title is is a realm it's a world uh populated by cryptids and people and superheroes and robots and the cryptids and the people and the robots like to have a whole lot of sex and there seems to be a crossover between the blubber realm and other realms, because if you are a denizen of the blubber realm, you can go to other realms only if you have a pass. 
And the only way you get the pass is if you have sex with a cryptid. <laughs> so it's basically an excuse for Gilbert to just draw nastiness. Oh. <laughs> um, there, there are creatures called kekepis, and they're diminutive, potato-headed whatchamacallits. They, they, they wander around naked. Every All these cryptids are, are essentially naked because what better way to show their genitalia? I, I, as I said before I interrupted myself, I went through this book page by page. It's a six-issue series. There are very, very few pages that do not feature an erect penis. It's everywhere. If 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 some of the women have penises, um, it's just wall to wall fucking. Now you say, well, that must be really, really boring. I mean, come on, like that that stuff gets old after a while. Well, not in the blubber universe. It doesn't get old because we're talking monsters, uh, cryptids having sex with people, and and it's it's not just that simple, right? You know what you're getting into, or you should, when you open the book, and it has pink endpapers, but that's neither here nor there. The very first image you see is there's these winged creatures. They look like, they look a little bit like flying monkeys with bat wings. Wizard of Oz-ish, I guess. But there's, uh, then the creatures are called skalais, the flying creatures. The, the, the skalai has its arms raised. Its eyes are wide and bugging out. Its mouth is agape. And there's a kakepi sucking on its ding-dong. <laughs> that's the first image you see. And I'm like, okay. I said to myself, now I'm, I've been a long, 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 long time fan of Gilbert Hernandez. I mean, I was around for the Birdland days, as was David. David, this makes Birdland look like a children's show. That's insane. It goes way beyond what he did in, in Birdland. Now I want to reread Birdland. But yeah, no, now I need to read this, but yeah, okay. And it's not only sex. There's 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 excrement, um other types of bodily fluids, there's there's diarrhea, uh there, <laughs> there's ex, there's explosive explosive uh emissions uh, there's genital mutilation in here, uh, all centered around the framework of this this other dimension thing that's going on. But the 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 takeaway for me, with with all of these creatures having sex and and people having sex, was that there's no shame with these characters, absolutely no shame. Like no one's self conscious or uh, th- there's their n- nakedness seems to be natural, right? There's not any, oh my God, I'm naked. Let's, we have to have sex behind the bush because everybody can see. They don't care. There's a, uh, I talk about button pushing. There's a character in here called um, Padre Puto. And, you know, Gilbert likes to start off his, his stories with a, a massive panel, right? Well, Padre Puto is seen with um, the, the divine light shining on his face, and he has his hands clasped in prayer, and he's looking to the heavens 
and he's dreaming about erect penises. There's his head is flanked by two pictures of two images of erect penises, right? So Padre Puto uh, <laughs> is a chronic masturbator, and he goes on these little excursions with his buddy Bolton. I guess in the Blubber universe there are zombies, but the zombies are are all like burnt charred black they look like they've been they've been like horribly horribly burnt and they're all walking around with hard-ons right so i guess fun time for padre puto is to round up zombies he finds worthy meaning big membered zombies and they they have sex but uh Bolton brought along a little buddy with him this time and his buddy's name is um what what is this character's name uh Bumps Bumps is a fawn like great god pan fawn like he's he's a fawn from from mythology he has he's sure. he's a little boy with horns and he's got you know hooves and and fur below the waist and so um they see a zombie and and bumps walks up to it and starts to orally attack the zombie and and the zombie's penis breaks off in bumps's mouth (laughs) and and in one in the next panel he's holding in one hand the broken part of the penis and then he's going to town on the stump and so Bolton has sex with a zombie while Padre Puto is, you know, removes himself from the little incident. And I guess Padre Puto uh, has something against fawns because he wants Bumps dead. Oh, he's, he's racist. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a xenophobe, <laughs> right? So Bumps is doing his thing on a zombie, a particularly well-endowed zombie. And Padre Puto pushes Bump's head against the member, and it kills him. And and while this is going on, the Padre's masturbating. So he goes back to Bolton, and just so happens that the zombie he was having sex with, his dick broke off in his ass. Mm. And so he's like, Padre, Padre, help me, please. It, it's inside of me. You got to suck it out. <laughs> and, and Padre, he's his buddy. Uh, he, initially, he didn't want to, but he's his buddy. And he starts to, to try and extract the broken member from Bolton's butt. And he's like, push, push like you're constipated, push. And something flies out of of mm. Bolton's backside and it burns the face of Padre Puto and is and he there's blood flying out of Bolton's ass the zombies lodged member is no longer lodged because it's crammed down Padre Puto's face uh, throat and his his head looks like it's on father on fire and so then the father wakes up it's a dream and he's sitting in a chair and he's got his pants He's got a robe on, no pants, and he's playing with himself. And he finishes, 
And he says, thank you, God. Thank you for another chance. <laughs> that's, and that's how the story ends. Like, what the hell? What is happening here? <laughs> it, there's a, a comparison somewhere, in, oh, on the back cover, to uh, Robert Crumb, the uh, id-fueled work of Robert Crumb. And I think that's a really, really uh, apt comparison because if you've ever read Crumb, Crumb goes places, right? Sure. Unabashedly, he goes down those dark alleys. And Hernandez does the same thing here. But for me, this is an all-timer. I don't even think that's an argument at this point. Gilbert Hernandez is an all-timer. This is an all-timer just cracking open his head and just letting it all hang out and having a whole lot of fun doing it. It's going to offend the majority of people that open the cover, I, I would think, right? But the weird thing, so it revels in sex and violence. Explicit, super explicit sex. There is... Um, there is a lot of bodily fluids, most of which ends up on the faces of a lot of the characters, or there's a lot of imagery where there's like dripping genitalia. It's freaky, but you'll have sex all over the page and it's just, you know, it's conversational and they're having fun, but then a character will just drop a non-secateur at the end. And it's process-related. Like, there's there's a, a, a strip where two characters are just... They're fucking. That's what they're doing. And then the very last panel, one of the characters will say, conservative thinking is the enemy of creativity. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and speaking of fourth wall breaking, I was delighted when you mentioned the breaking of the fourth wall because this book does just that. The, the fourth wall is broken a good number of times between these covers. Uh, I, 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 there's a wrestler, a wrestler, sorry, named the Snowman. That is, he just, he's in, in, indoctrinated into this mysterious uh, clandestine occult society and he can't perform. He end, instead of performing, he ends up shitting and then runs away. And the guy that tried to bring him into the society has to have sex with the high priestess. And all he's thinking about during the whole ordeal is the snowman. Like, he's, he's, they show them doing it. And, and she's attractive. She's a, 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 a wayfish. Mostly, whenever we think of Gilbert Hernandez, we think of large breasts, right? Extremely large breasts. There's that in this book. There's a, a a little person named Tiki. She's an exotic dancer. And if this woman's breasts, if she ever existed in the real world, she would not be able to walk. She'd be boom, flat on her face, unable to heft the the weight of her giant mammaries. But um, so the last panel, this this cloaked female. I guess high priestess. She's got the cloak over her face, and the 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 man. He's extremely well endowed. Everybody is in this book. It makes me jealous. So so he's doing it to her, and there's a little thought balloon, and it's got the snowman's face in it, and he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's really disturbing, but in a great way. There, there's a man in here whose uh, penis is so big. How big is it? Well, his name is John Dick. 
I'm talking like two feet. And he could well, serve like that. He'd... He could <laughs> he could service himself. And he's there's a panel, and it's just like you don't forget these things. You just this is a panel you just don't forget. He's looking at his own penis, and it's like inches away from his mouth, and he's like, "Dear God, dare I?" <laughs> <laughs> and the next panel's like, "Bro, he's doing it," and uh, each time. I must ask God if I have sinned. And, I mean, sex, death, religion, or at least in, in this case, spirituality. It's, it's in, this book is insane. Unfettered. Uh, but then you get into the, the, the biology of the creatures and how they reproduce and their mannerisms. And some creatures are feared and some creatures are accepted among the human population, almost desired, because... There's a group of centurions like characters, and they're all they all look like Michelangelo's David, with one exception, with the exception being that they all have really, really, really tiny penises, like like pinky dicks, really small penises, and and they search for this creature that basically has a vacuum on its snout, and that's all the creature lives for is to just service these centurions. It's just there's there's one care strip called shitter <laughs> is there a lot of is there a lot of is that a person or a place it is a it is a, a um a byproduct of a person this man is infatuated with uh tiki the exotic dancer with the giant breasts and he's he goes to see her at, at the Blubber Club, and she's she's doing her thing, and he's captivated. And there's a Johnny White Boy calls her E.T. You know you're a freak. Go home, get off the stage. And he hunts this person down, and kills him, stabs him in the head with a screwdriver, cuts his head off, sodomizes his corpse. And the reason why it's called Shitter is because uh, he finishes. Uh, the incident by relieving himself in the toilet and placed inside the toilet is uh, Johnny White Boy's head with its mouth open and he shits into his mouth. <laughs> Vince, is there a lot of like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to picture, I'm trying to picture like the pages of this book. Is there, is there a lot of words? Like mm -hmm. is it mostly images or is no. there a lot of text? You've read Love and Rockets, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the the dialogue is very much on par. Okay. With Love and Rockets. Yeah, it's not I mean it's these to want to say that the characters are fully realized and and you know, three-dimensional. Ah, okay. You can I guess you you can get that. I mean, there's a superhero. Uh, her name is Red Tempest Triple X. She's very much cast in the Luba mold. Very okay. large, very large breasts. Very, very self-assured woman. Uh, wants nothing more than to have sex. Just just have sex all the time. There's a, a character called Tac-Man. Tactical Advanced Commando. Uh, think maybe Six Million Dollar Man without the cybernetic uh, you know, enhancements, in which case he wouldn't be like the Six Million Dollar Man at all. But all right, souped up James Bond, right? And I guess he has had 
run-ins with this character called Marshman. And they're they're very uh, competitive and, you know, each one wants to outdo the other one. And they have a masturbating contest. And they, they see who's who can who releases first. And the one character goes, hey, no touching. And the other one says, I can if I want to. <laughs> like meaning, meaning touching dicks. And the panel shows two penises and they're just like almost touching <laughs> i love this book so much oh my god Jesus Christ. i love it. It, it this i mean stuff like this is really nothing new to to gilbert uh, he's done stuff like this forever maybe not to this extent which i appreciate because it is one of those things where I always say, if you can push me into a, into a very uncomfortable area, places I have not been before, I love you so much. Thank you. Dis, dis, disgust me, arouse me, disturb me, get me feeling some kind of way about these lines that you made on the paper. I, I, I'm sure that anybody who listened to this, most of the people would be like, I am not touching that book with a 10-foot pole. And I get it. It's not for everybody. That's so true. But it's for me. It is so for me that I feel stupid now that I didn't read it in single issues when it was coming out. Because the, the, the publishing history was so erratic. Like right. when it, because it took so long. And I don't, I'm not a stickler for punctuality. But when it comes to the Hernandez brothers, I want something when I want it. You know? I mean, they've been more than regular over the past decade or so. And that's great. We're all to benefit from that. But I don't know. Maybe I was just in a weird weird place and didn't get it, but that's on me because I'm stupid for not getting the singles. So it looks like it looks like the hardcover is five issues, but there's a sixth issue out now. What I'm oh, is that it? Yes. But it says on the ins in on the indicia, it says I don't know what it says. Unless Amazon is wrong, perhaps. You never know. But it says, uh, Blubber was originally serialized in the first six issues of the Blubber comic. Okay. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the six issues in here, I don't know. I would think it would be, though, if it said that. Yeah, there's six covers in the back. The The, yeah, the, okay. the sixth issue has the, the, the uh, uh, portrait of the robot, and that's in here. So I'm guessing... It's just an incomplete collection because the each issue of Blubber ran 24 pages. So six times 24, this book contains 122 pages of comics. That math ain't adding up, is it? Uh, no. Right. But for my money, yeah, uh, this it was twenty dollars for a hardcover. They could have charged me three times that, and I would still feel like I got my 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 value for my dollar. I love Gilbert. There are some times where I think you know we all worship at the altar of Jaime. He's great. He's one of the greatest cartoonists ever. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, but Gilbert has that unquantifiable something that for me pushes him occasionally. Ahead of his brother, like mostly they're they're neck and neck for me. I love them both. Uh, if it's like my children, which child do you pick as your favorite? It's very hard to do. It's almost impossible to do. 
But things like this, Jaime doesn't do stuff like this. Well, I just ordered it from Amazon. Oh, I'll have it in two days. You'll, I, I, I am confident. I'll have that, to hide it. Yes, you have to. Yeah, yeah. You can't just uh, the the cover image belies the content because it's just it's just portraits of the the various creatures. It's it's when you open it up, and I was reading it in the living room. As you know, the kids are walking around. They're like, "Oh, that looks cool." I'm like, "Yeah, it is cool, but you ain't gonna see it." <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal, and I love every single freaking line in it. If you're brave, check it out. I'm going to in two days. Nice. <laughs> awesome. What else? What else do we have? Um, I'll talk about something else. Cool. Um. So the uh, I just read the is it the eighth the eighth installment eighth issue I guess you could call it of the Nib magazine um, and if you don't know what the Nib magazine is um, then I'm not going to be able to tell you because I just get it um, no it's okay so the Nib is basically a collection of comics. The Nib is a publisher, I believe, first and foremost. They have some online content. They have online comic strips. Um, I think they publish things like – I think they publish that Box Brown Cannabis uh, book. I think they published that Jack Kirby uh, Tom Scioli book maybe. Was that the Nib? No, sure. no, 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 it wasn't. Uh, no. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, I know Pia does a lot of work for them. Yes. Um, I, I do get their daily email uh, mm-hmm. morning newsletter. So um, I do read a lot of the, I, I read a lot of the, the Boar's strips and things like that. I do right. know there was a, um, I, I know that they were having a, one of, um, one of our members on the Slack had ordered a bundle of books and things just got awful shifty as far as receiving them. And he kept trying to contact them and it was, it was, it was a big deal. It was, it was a bit of a cluster, but, um, so I was kind of, I I was put off for a while, but, uh, but I do still get the newsletters. I may not read them every morning, but I still want to at least, you know, like podcasts, you still want to subscribe even if you're not available to to, right. to consume every single one. I think right. Daniel White gets the nib all the time. Is it Daniel? Yeah. So this is the eighth issue, and I think it's the most recent issue. There might be a new one that just came out or is coming out. But each issue is a collection of comic strips that are centered around a theme. Um, uh, you know, the, I think the newest one that just came out that I don't have yet is is, is the food issue. Um, there was one on the pandemic, um, you know, just different. They do, do, do these different overarching themes for each issue. And the one I just finished um, was one called Drugs. It's, not, it's, a, it's the drugs issue. Ooh, it's about nice. drugs. Um, awesome cover by Michael DeForge. Um, also, Michael DeForge did all the, like, uh, section divider kind of things, right? Like, you know, the different... Um, between each sections, like the uh, section illustrations between, because they have they have different sections in them. They have um, some little articles, you know, an intro by the editor, 
big feature longer comic strips and then little what they call dispatches which can be like little single comic single page comic strips um lots of different artists in here um box brown has a piece in here uh matt lubchonsky Whit taylor ellery harris has some stuff in here uh michael deforge as i said um but like all kinds of you know different kind of cool cool little independent artists um but this issue the drugs issue was supposed to come out right before the pandemic hit i believe and then they shifted and decide and like you know everything shut down and they did a uh, then they they shifted and did a pandemic issue and then the all the work that they had put into the drugs issue was kind of pushed aside but then eventually eventually this issue was released um which is it's also informed by the pandemic but there's a bunch of different cool little strips in here um you know there's one on i mean it's not just it's not just it's not just like drugs like you know, do drugs, you know, like don't do drugs, drugs. It's there's stuff, there's comics on, uh, you know, prescription drugs or there's comics on, um, you know, the oxy pandemic. There's comics on the, the, you know, the origin of using lithium as a, you know, as a, uh, like psycho, you know, like for like, uh, mental health, right? Like back when they started using lithium, um there's a psilocybin there is a little bit on psilocybin um but there's there's stuff on um there's a big huge strip on um a female comic artist and i think it's auto it's autobiographical about uh her struggle with getting pregnant so it's it's called I'm on drugs, but it's her doing all the fertility drugs. Oh, nice. And what it does to her, you know, physically and mentally and like having to put the needles in her belly. Um, you know, there's there's it's, it's a lot of really interesting strips. Um, they touch upon mental health like like uh, psych drugs by they do. Nice. Yep, absolutely. Um you know, there's a there's a really cool strip about the uh, by this uh, artist named Kane Lynch, and he when he was six years old, he was diagnosed with childhood child asthma, right? Um, had a really bad asthma, couldn't breathe, had to get a uh, like a uh, what they call them nebulizer type those, those the big machines that you where you not just a little like puff puff, but the uh, the big Right machines you have to plug in and then put the mask over your face. Um, and when he would put them on, uh, when he was a little kid, his father put a movie on for him because he had to wear it for a while. And the movie his dad put it on for him was Star Wars. And it was the first time him he was seeing Star Wars, and he talks about how you know it's just a uh, you know he he was a little blonde kid. He's watching this movie about this little whiny blonde kid, but it wasn't until it wasn't until um, he found a different character to really identify with. And it was Darth Vader because of the breathing. Oh, damn. He, he, he identified with Darth Vader because of the breathing. And he goes on to talk about how so many characters in movies, bad guys have breathing issues. Like it's like, you know, uh, 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 Casino Royale. What's his, Mads Mikkelsen or whatever his name is yeah. has the breathing issue. And he, Blue Velvet. A couple other. Blue Velvet. Huh? 
Blue Velvet. Yes, Blue Velvet. No, no, no. Le, le, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Was, but uh, he talks. I, he, he talks about the different characters, and he's like, you know, he's saying like, "Why does Hollywood think that the bad? Why, why does Hollywood think that breathing issues make you a bad guy?" <laughs> um, but you know, there's there's cool little comics about um, discovering, uh, you know, oldest oldest recording recorded use of opiates. Right? Was well, you know, they found burnt opium seeds in Spain in 4200 BCE. Right, um, just finding things like that. Um, and it was just a better the history time. Of, <laughs> the history of drugs. Um, you know, there's comic strips about you know we should be legalizing drugs. Of course, stuff like that. Expanded consciousness, but it's you know it's a cool little, you know, hundred page magazine. Um, uh, what's square bound or whatever they call it? Where it's a you know it's a it's got a it's got a spine. Perfect bound. Um, perfect bound. Um, I mean, the Michael DeForge cover is great. It just jumps right at you. Out at you. Um, but, you know, I would highly recommend, you know, they have bundles. You know, maybe there are issues with shipping. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's supply chain issues. But they do have bundles of the first four and then the second four magazines. On, I think they're having a sale right now, too, um, of their stuff. And then if you want to continue to get the this the magazine i think they have like a not a patreon but like you know a month it's not through patreon but it's a monthly you know you can pay five dollars a month and get the magazine and whatever other stuff that they they send out but uh yeah i enjoyed it you know it's 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 relevant for today as we record today's 420 you know for those right. of you that partake mm-hmm. look at you um, thinking ahead how about that? i didn't think about that until just now no you didn't yeah, think about that yeah. until just no, now did you never show your yes you did you planned no, it man no i didn't <laughs> plan it it's serendipity well maybe the universe planned it for you yes but yes. uh yeah pick up pick up some nib magazines they're they're nice little you know they're like good like Put it in the bathroom, right? Pick it up mm-hmm. from time that when you're in the bathroom. Or well, not not if you're Vince. No, you don't put car. There's only one kind of paper that belongs in the bathroom, and it's not reading Rolling material. Papers? No, oh. no, no. I will I will never bring a book into the bathroom. Oh man, you're afraid it's going to get uh, you, been flagged or whatever Costanza did. You could hear it screaming in in that that mysterious paper language as soon as you bring it through the door. You don't bring paper into the bathroom. I do. Water bad. No. Well, hey, whatever works for you. I see the nib uh, solicited in previews all the time. And I consider it. I really do. But but when it comes to the crunch uh, part and I'm looking at the total, uh, well, up until this point, it never got added. Right. But, But maybe that'll change. You know, I mean, it's really, it really is just an anthology. It's what, I mean, it's an sure. anthology. Um, a month, I mean, not monthly, they, they come out maybe three or four times a year. But, you know, it's an anthology. And, uh, you know, it's all around a central theme. I need to get the suit issue because, you know, that's one of my loves. Um, but, yeah, I would recommend it. If I had Elon Musk level money, I would throw buckets of cash at Dark Horse and make them bring back Dark Horse presents because that is some of the absolute best times I ever had buying comics was because yeah. of... Are we talking about the original Dark Horse presents or the yes. redo? Um, no. I, no, yeah, the original. Yes. Sure. No. 
Sure, the original, but the that original. was a magical time. You're never going to get a roster of creators like that assembled under one masthead again. It's it's just not going to happen, right? But I don't think the revival was horrible. Maybe Neil Adams' blood was incomprehensible, but I thought the rest of it was fun, right? And and a little expensive for what it was. Maybe mm-hmm. that was a bad decision to make it, you know, perfect bound and, and, and up the price on an anthology. But there's just something about that name, Dark Horse Presents, that just conjures this giddy, feel-good, days-gone-by kind of air in my yeah. in my mind and it, i i just think if we had to list all-time favorite series i would struggle not putting dark horse presents on that list sure yeah, yeah. it's it's just it, it, one of if not well i don't want to jason says i'm prone to her hyperbole at least once a month maybe this is my time i don't know but i think dark horse presents was one of the all-time greatest anthologies yeah, I mean, I picked it up. I remember the first issue I picked up was issue eight, and the reason I picked it up is because it had a new Star Wars, had a Star Wars story in it. It was that it was the first time you ever had the tales of the Jedi, and I stuck with it. And I mean, I loved that series all the way to the end. But f- it did uh, there there were dalliances with mainstream like you could tell they were looking for a breakout series with some of it but for the most part the majority of dark horse presents is so steeped i mean it is it speaks indie comics where else could you see david lynch angriest dog in the world nowhere and the the strip was basically the same thing every time. The dialogue was a little bit different, but the images were basically the same every single time. But I used to wait for that. Like, I, I need to see one of my favorite filmmakers of all time doing comics within the pages of freaking Dark Horse Presents. Shut up. Yeah, man. Concrete, Sin City. What else was in there? Forest the Bear. Well, yeah, Sin City was the breakout. That is the breakout. But, I mean, they would... Uh, the Aerialist by Matt Wagner was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Uh, I mean, you could just go down... Trekker. Just go down the list of all of the things that ever appeared. Tarzan. They 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 would uh, they had a little bit of a experiment with, with the pulp characters within Dark Horse Presents. And... and um, uh the oh shit man i am getting old the uh not not neary the guy that does the victorian comics really well um the murder mysteries the the sherlock holmes rick Geary. rick Geary, thank you oh like rick Geary would pop up in dark horse presents all the time like i yeah i don't have a complete run i'm missing about 40 issues but Whenever Dap and I are going through the, the boxes, if we see it, yep. and it's in his box or it's in my box, and he, uh, the, I mean, there's trouble brewing because who's going to get it? No, I, I, I generally give you the DHPs. I, I did pick up um, a couple of years ago the uh, from either it may have been the last time we were heroes, or maybe it was a New York one year. But uh, the best of Dark Horse presents. I have a couple of trades from a couple of years that. Um, that I, I I like to have because I had never 
I'd never seen them when they were being published. It was always just the the single ongoing issues. Um, Dude, I, I I feel I'm I'm I feel embarrassed. I didn't even know they were a thing. They have trades. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll post pictures in the Slack. I'll dig them out. They got to be one of the stacks behind me. When did they come out? I'll you know, I'll mute myself. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I, there's trades of it. Uh, right. Who knew? So silly. I'm trying to find out when 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 these trades came out. And and another thing, yeah, I know uh, prices were obviously lower back then, but I think it. The just the the amount of comics you got for your dollar with those things was just uh, far outweighed stuff from other publishers because it was so so varied, so versatile, so all over the place, and uh, a, a lot of unexpected stuff within was within those pages. Like uh, again, you'd have a lot of content, a good amount of content that would play to a certain audience, but then they 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 rounded it out with stuff that was totally against the, that kind of grain. It was just a wonderful experiment. And kudos to Richardson for making it last as long as he did. I mean, you would never see a series lasting 100 and what? I don't even know the number. But it, it definitely lasted over 140, 150, right? Yeah, I think it was 100, 170 maybe or something like that, right? I, issue 100 157. Was, 157. Nice. Issue 100 was yeah. wonderful. 157 has the goon in it. That's another thing. But how about breaking issue 100 into, what, five chunks? Yeah. Mike Allred. It's just like... Miller. Right, so, the best of Dark Horse Presents Volume 1, 1989, Volume 2. Uh, volume 2 says at the front page, the editors pick the best stories from issues 21 through 30. Uh, and this was... Um, Eddie Campbell. Game over. What was this? Uh, and volume three. See, I'm mystified. I had no idea these things even existed. Covered by Matt Wagner because of, uh, this is um, yeah. So basically, yeah, they just it, it's just a, a collection of what they picked from that that chunk of time. So um, craziness, craziness. I found the first three volumes at uh, at one of the cons. I'm so stupid. I had okay. It's First issue is five ninety five. Second is eight ninety five. Third volume with the nice glossy cover is twelve ninety five. Nuts! And the annual. Oh my god! The Dark Horse presents annual. So thick. it's so good. Yeah, and expensive. I think just because of of Sin City, probably. But anyway, all right, cool. What else do we have before we shuffle on out? Anything? Uh, we, um, I know that, uh, Vince isn't necessarily into the, uh, cinematic universe or its spinoffs. Um, but Dwight and I did watch the latest episode of, um, of Moon Knight today, the fourth episode of, uh, six. I believe Mario's current as well. Yes, yes. My daughter and I, and Flannery and I, watched it today. It is. It's 
it's insane that a character that I really, really don't care for in the comics is such an interesting and fascinating figure. You don't like Moon Knight? <laughs> Vincent, I love Moon Knight. No, I, he's he's not a character. That, uh, he's he's uh, he's up there with uh, you know Sleepwalker, Sam and right. Oh, uh, come on, right. <laughs> Jesus. And Mario's favorite Darkhawk, but there's oh, I do uh, love Darkhawk. Do love Darkhawk. The passion, uh, but no, this. I mean. The 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 just the whole. I mean, Oscar Isaac is amazing in it, but I think uh, and 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 of course, F. Marie Abraham. But I think it's just it's. I I think it's pretty. I'm not gonna say brilliant, but the way they just play off the the two different personalities. We're all, we're all, we've only seen two, although I do believe a third has appeared because both Mark and Stephen weren't aware of what each other uh-huh. was doing yes. one time in the desert. And then also uh, this but, most recent episode, there was something to give yes. you the idea that there's a third. Yeah. Uh, whether that's think, Jake, whatever his name is from probably, midnight or yeah. The cab driver. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think the um, it, it's, and listen, it's we've, we've, we've watched every single Marvel Disney plus show that they've put out so far. And, um, I haven't revisited the Netflix stuff yet, although I am dying to get back to Daredevil. But this this is the first series that we have watched each episode multiple times. And it's I don't know if, if my wife is just a fan of, of the way the costume because I've shown her I showed her the, the amazing Spider-Man arc, Round Robin, Sidekicks Revenge, and and um she's not a fan of, of the character the way he appears in the comics. There's just something about the material, the fabric, the costume on the show uh, that she's drawn to. But um, right. it's like a mummy. But yeah. 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 And it's alive. And she was the Cape and it's just, it's, it's, but I mean, when, when, um, when Steven and Mark are hitting themselves, and she's, she's a big fan of the, why you hitting yourself kind of humor. And, and uh, there, there's, there's some moments of that, but I just, it's, it's amazing to me that uh that moon Knight of all marvel characters is 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 in a show that uh that i just i can't get enough of and 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 i can't yeah. turn away it's, i think it's, it's really so well strange. done and i it think really that is. oscar isaac is giving like i know it's just a marvel show but he is giving a very very great performance playing mm-hmm. multiple characters as he has to and they are they are they are vastly different characters they're visually physically different physically it's, like it's, his it's like, his physical it's like Christopher Reeve the way doing, doing doing Superman and Clark Kent they just they don't it's not as soon as he turns between Stephen and Mark you absolutely see it in the eyes the yes. brow the, it's just it's it's fascinating he is very good he is he really I am is. surprisingly I am surprised at how 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 well he is doing on this show, and and, and as you said, F. Murray Abraham. It was today, David, when I was like, "How is doing this voice?" I gotta <laughs> look this up. I had no clue. I had no clue, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's fucking F. Murray Abraham!" Yeah, how perfect yeah. is this? This is great uh-huh. casting as well. Uh, and I mean, in, in the first episode, oh great, the idiots in charge again. I mean, it was just, <laughs> oh, the idiots it was... back. <laughs> Oh, but and, and even even Ethan Hawke as as Arthur Harrow, it's just it's yeah, I um 
I am. I'm very, very, uh, very pleased. It's, you know, with, it's, 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 it's got these Indiana Jones vibes going on. It's got superhero vibes. It's, you know, it's, it's got these multiple personalities, which, you know, I don't know if we're going to see, do we know if we're going to get a, another season of this or if this is just a, one we are done? not actually, we were, yeah. Um, my neighbor and I were talking about it. Um, and it, because we are getting, uh, a sequel to Falcon or Captain America, the Winter Soldier. We're getting a um, Loki. I think we're getting Loki's getting a second season, but this is going to be like uh, like WandaVision and Hawkeye, where okay. it's like, or at least that version of Hawkeye. We may get a Kate and Yelena series. I don't know, but but as far as Moon Knight, and that's not to say we won't get more Moon Knight, but but this particular um, version, or at least this season. That this is it because because we still okay. have to get blade so i don't know if we're going to get some sort of you know <laughs> not a hearts of darkness but maybe we'll get some sort of like egyptian defenders thing going on but it, it's a uh yeah but no as far as i know this is it these six yeah i'm gonna six i'm gonna miss the show i'm gonna be i'm gonna be Big i'm time. gonna be set i thought that like if we got a second season that's when they would explore another personality but i guess we're probably I'm, 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 we've got I'm no frenchie we've got point, no marlene like, yeah Although she's kind of, I mean, she's like, she's, she's our she Marlene, really, more or less. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we no had, problem. we had, anything we had Frenchie in was a, a text message, right? Or a missed call. A missed call, yeah. And, and no copter. It's, it's just, but it's, <laughs> it, it's, I really am. I'm, 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 I'm happily surprised that, uh, that it is. Cause, cause it could have been, you know, it, it, it could have been the whiff. It could have been like, you know, the one, I know people have. They they have their rankings for the different Marvel series and and I think you know a lot of people weren't um, weren't keen on on Wandavision but um, it's it's uh, this is one that I, I I could have just based on my experiences with the character for me Moon Knight peaked you know around like issue thirty two the Sinkevich run it it's like that was that, that that's kind of where I appreciated Moon Knight it was and it ended and then we got Fist of Khonshu where yeah. with the Chris Warner art and uh and then mark specter moon knight and it, every every series kind of did I, although i've heard really really good things about this current incarnation written by um jed mckay but oh jed mckay uh, no yeah no 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 yeah, even, even after that but um but yeah th- this could have been the one disney plus series marvel series where i was just like yeah good luck guys I, did I you read the uh did you read the warren ellis six or twelve issues or whatever yes Declan yes. did or whoever that was. Yep. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I know that they did just, uh, they did release the entire, uh, Lemire Smallwood series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, he's, he's a character that, that can be tough for some people to, to kind of, he's, 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 he's Marvel's Hawkman. He's just, it's a convoluted history. There's too much going on, which just like, you know, you gotta, you gotta pick the one version, the one iteration where like, that's my guy, that that's the one I can kind of get behind. But there've been so many and they've tried so many different things with the character and, and all the personalities and, and different versions and Mr. Knight and Mr. White. And it's, but it's, um, this series is one that uh, that I'm happy to see exists. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the show. I'm gonna miss it when it's gone. My daughter's yeah. enjoying it too. She didn't. She she loves all things Marvel, MCU stuff. Um, and, but I, I was. She did not think she was gonna like this from the trailer. But she's really, really having a lot of fun with it. Um, and I, yeah. I mean, it's 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 it is. It's great. 
it's just I mean, and, and I think so much of it has to do with Oscar Isaac's performance. It's yep. just it's 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 top notch. And he's not just an actor in the show because he is an executive producer. He actually does he is he does care about how this show is 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 prepared and presented and and it's I think that shows that it, it helps that uh, you know he's not just showing up to be on screen and and recite a few lines and call it a day. There's there's um he has a hand in it and and I think that shows. Yep. Good stuff. Nice. Those we got. Well, we got to tell them who's responsible for this whole mess. We do. Yeah, it's our patrons. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. The people who bolster, who rise up, everybody, they elevate every month. They make this possible and a whole lot of other things that are coming up. And if you want to check it out, go to, like I said, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, audio, video, images, text, dedicated Slack channel, care packages. Uh, some of our patrons each uh, buy annually get a uh, box of books. Just a thank you for, for supporting us. Here's a box of books. Hope you love them. Th- 20 hours of your week. Shot to hell on us. So uh, check it out. We would love, love, love to add more members to our family. In your travels, let me get the book here. I'm not going to go too deep into this because I haven't finished it and I want to talk about it. Is next episode book of the month? Is it? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. Uh, Yes, it is. Okay. Well, I think there will be some room left over next episode to talk about this book. I hope it is from Fanagraphics. It is the Disney Masters series. It's another foul book from Fanagraphics, but not in the same way as Blubber, because this book features our favorite foul, Donald Duck, and his cousin, Feathery. I talked about him before. Feathery is uh, Donald's... uh, beatnik, uh, very eccentric cousin who became a a beloved character overseas but is virtually unknown on this side of the the water. The work contained herein, the book is called Follow the Fearless Leader. And the book is the, the, the work is the product of Dick Kinney and Al Hubbard. How many people are are familiar with the work of Dick Kinney and Al Hubbard? We know Carl Barks. We know Don Rosa. Yeah, I mean, these guys are phenomenal. And uh, if you ever wanted to see Donald and company, uh, and there's a bunch of characters unique to Kinney and Hubbard, uh, not just Feathery, but if you ever wanted to see Donald rendered in a Chuck Jones style, then Hubbard's work is for you. It is very... Well, both of them came from uh, a background in animation, actually uh, did work on Disney cartoons, uh, and they brought those uh, the sensibilities to the printed page. The work is... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lowball it and, says, and say it has an animated quality. I'm, yeah, big zero effort on my part. But uh, it's true. 
there there is a, a, a liveliness and, and an emotion in this that you, I, I'm comfortable saying that the expressiveness of this work is is not uh, contained in, in Karl Barks work or Don Rose's work. It, it's it's extremely lively. The line is a bit ragged like Chuck Jones, which is great. Uh, very brushy. I think it's just a phenomenal piece of of, of uh, work, and uh, I'm going to talk about it in, in somewhat detail next episode. So if if you have time, or if you already have it, read it because uh, I want to get into it. It's just I've said it a million times before, but nothing nothing uh, burns my kindling like uh, like a good funny animal comic and uh, Hubbard. And Kinney, they make good, funny animal comics. So go read it. They're, they're, the humans are weird, though. Uh, like, it, 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 with Barks, we're, we're accustomed to uh, stand-ins and, and, and bit players and walk, walk-ons with characters that are, are anthropomorphic, but, but they're not human. They're animals. There's actual humans in the Kinney and Hubbard stories, which is a little weird. Right when when your mind starts to go places and you're like, well, wait a minute, there's there's human beings in this thing. So how could Donald exist in the same universe? It doesn't make sense, but it does. And there are scamp stories in here. I always love scamp. Get this book. It's uh, thirty bucks hardcover. It I don't know what number it is in the Disney Masters series, and it doesn't really matter. But there are other. Kinney and Hubbard books coming out, or they're already out, or they may be coming out. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, that's coming out, is Kinney and Hubbard. Get this book. It's great. It's, it's untouchable. Bulletproof. Touchable. Okay. You don't have, yeah. you don't have, you don't have a soft spot for the, the ducks or the mouse? Me? Or the goof? Yeah. You don't like Disney comics? Um, for, in the comic, in the comic realm? Yeah, I, I pick up the occasional thing. Um, I read that. Uh, what was the one I just read recently? I just got a few months ago. Um, Doorway to Danger, something like that. Hmm. Did you see that little collection? I can't even remember very much about it. It was. It, it was. It, it, it was. It's probably Italian. Yes, maybe it was very. It was fun. It was little, and and it was it was a quick read. Um. You know, like you know, uh, I'm going to do the same thing you did. It was very animated style, um, but it was fun. You know, just I pick up the things here and there. I don't pick up the, uh, the hard covers or anything. But if something appeals to me, or I think you know, maybe my son might pick it up and like it, or we can read it together, or whatever. I'll grab something. But nice, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a strange Disney fan. Uh, I, I absolutely worship the comics. I have zero capacity for the for the movies and the and the animated shorts. Right. I, Steamboat Willie, yeah. But <laughs> like like Lion King and stuff like that and the movies that everybody just goes bonkers over, I I don't I don't see what the appeal is. I don't get it. I, I don't know. Right. And there are bazillions of them out there. But There's I There's a lot. Yeah, I would just rather exist in that universe than. Oh the, no, man, that Encanto is pretty good. 
I heard it was good. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, whatever. I'll see it when it's I see well it. Well done. Yeah, I'll, I'm not poo-pooing it. I, I could never poo-poo anything that I haven't seen. But I mean, Pocahontas, good. You know, like uh, their movies are their, their animation is good. But I mean, it doesn't. Mulan's fun. Whatever. Why am I? Why am I such a twelve-year-old boy that whenever I hear someone say Pocahontas, <laughs> I think I think poke my hot ass. Like, oh, what is geez. that from? Oh my god! Is that from something? Am I quoting? Have something? you why not? That... Have you not learned the lesson of Jason Aaron? Like, just end <laughs> it. Just end it. <laughs> Damn, he went there. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, uh, follow the leader. Follow the leader right to the ordering thing and just get it. This is great. Just get it. Just do it. Just do it. So Vince will love you. Uh, in your travels, um, I went to the comic shop after work today and uh, picked up the one book that was um, in my file in the pull list. There was there was a second book. Which was weird, Vince. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I I ended up not getting it because I didn't need it. Um, but there's a TMNT pre-game. Yes. Or rat catcher. It's a reprint. Yeah. It's it's yeah it's 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 a single issue like eighty four something and then two and then an annual from twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so gonna, I didn't get it. They're focusing very heavily on the culmination of that Rat King. Uh, Storyline, and that's exactly what I told the guy at the shop that I do believe that this is going to they 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 did this because it's leading into right and and I and and I dug up the um the past few issues of TMNT that I am behind on so I, I have some catching up to do but so I left that uh, I told him thank you but I already bought the issue so I'm good uh, but I left with the second issue of Batman slash Superman World's Finest still written by mark wade still illustrated beautifully uh by dan mora and in the first issue we know that uh, superman was infected uh with uh, red kryptonite and uh it wreaked havoc not only on his body but on the city uh thanks to the intervention of the doom patrol and Nas calder they uh they saved well we were hoping they were going to save superman they brought him to uh to the calder mansion and uh to operate on him and uh and and they did the second issue picks up right where we left off um and uh niles and uh cliff steel robot man thanks to uh he was handy there um and negative man was also involved so uh superman is the spoilers saved, but the fun only just begins at that point because uh, then we get um, some backstory. We're introduced to uh, the Devil Neza and how uh, Niles talks about him a little bit. And there's a little bit of a back and forth between Calder and Batman, and um, and they're talking over each other. And Robin even points this out, and uh, and. And says to Superman, why are they talking over each other? And Superman's just sitting there sipping his tea, saying that uh, it's what happens when you put two men who hate not being the smartest guy in the room together in one room. Uh, there are some really <laughs> clever, witty lines. Um, Wade is really good. 
at that with these characters. But uh, but there's a uh, when when Superman comes to after the surgery, uh, there is a slight smile on Batman's face, and Rita Farr turns to Robin and whispers, "Is Batman smiling?" And and Robin's like, "It happens." And Rita says, "And you accuse us." Of looking spooky because Robin was a little startled at the whole thing and whatever was going on in Calder's basement. Uh, but it was it's it was a little weird because it was a little weirder than the first issue uh, because they do mention things beyond the little bubble of the characters that are in this particular story. Um, there's a uh, there's one panel of Wonder Woman where. Uh, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern are um, are handling a crisis going on, as well as the Flash in Central City. And Niles is telling our heroes what's going on in the rest of the world. And Batman's like, "Wait a second, you you're spying on heroes as a matter of routine." And Niles is like, "I prefer to think of it as monitoring allies and threats." And Batman's like, "Well, we will discuss this later." And it's like, dude. Fucking brother, I are you serious? You're gonna bitch about someone else spying on people, but whatever. Yeah. And uh, and and something seems to have happened. Uh, I don't know if there was a date or relationship with Robin and Supergirl, but uh, when they go off on their adventure together, they're very short uh, as far as the conversation goes. Um, and I I'd really like to get the backstory on the evening in question. Uh, but Moore's art is absolutely stunning. He draws fetching females. Um, the men fill out their outfits quite well. It's, um, I, I, I dug the second issue a lot. It's still a series that, um, it's absolutely right up my alley written for me. There's a scene where, uh, Felix Faust, puts our heroes on their heels and uh of course it's it's magic to which superman of course says ugh but uh he um he overcomes there's before batman and superman get there felix faust is harassing um assaulting billy batson and he doesn't know what the secret of billy batson is he was just told that uh he needs to make sure he keeps his mouth shut. And just like that episode of Twilight Zone or the scene in the movie, uh, Billy Batson's got no mouth and it's freaky AF, but uh, it's um, it's with no mouth. We're not getting anything from Billy that's going to save the day. Uh, and, and it ends with another cliffhanger. It's um, it's it's just really well done. And, and Dan is absolutely amazing. And he, he just packs the pages. It's a beautiful looking book, like I said. Uh, it's funny. It's not set in any present day continuity with any of our heroes. Uh, so I like the fact that it, uh, it kind of exists on its own. So in your travels, uh, if you missed out on the first issue, uh, do yourself a favor and rectify that, but uh, then continue on and read the second issue of World's Finest. Nice. I had no idea Doom Patrol was showing up in this. Yes, indeed. I'm a Doom Patrol mark, you know, so like... Yeah, um, yeah I do know. I might have to look into this. And you just reminded me, I haven't finished the second season yet. Oh, or is the it show? third? Whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever the current season is, I haven't finished it yet. Third, right? I feel like is it third? third? Yeah, it is third, it is, it is, yes. It's very good. It is. 
it's, it's, it's very clever. Okay. In your travels, uh, open up your browser of whatever type of browser you have. Vince likes Firefox, I think. <laughs> and uh, As much as you like the Eagles, yes. <laughs> Fuck oh, the Eagles. Snap. Um, and uh, head over to uh, uh, com and uh, click on the... Uh, the banner that says Heroes Convention, June 24th through 26th, 2022. And buy your ticket and come to Charlotte and join us for what will be, what seems to be basically a, going to be a giant uh, EOC party Yep. with the number of people who are attending um, uh, Heroes Con in, uh, in June. I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. You know, we just saw each other in December, but it's it's been long enough. I, I'm ready to do it again. Yes. Um, I'd be we- and, I'd be ready two weeks after we saw each other. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, I am looking forward to going to a con and walking around and looking at some art. But mostly, I'm looking forward to hanging out with people that I don't see enough. Um includes you guys and other members of the EOC community. So, uh, you know, buy your ticket, come down to Charlotte or up to Charlotte or left to Charlotte or wherever you live and, uh, and come hang out with us. Uh, I'm sure we'll all get COVID. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, the EOC way. Yes. BA two is out there, man. It's spreading like wildfire. No, um, but, uh, you know, come hang out with us. Have a drink with us. Hang out in the bar. Everybody hangs out in the bar. We're going to have a good diner. time. Yeah. It, it, it's always memorable, always uh, exciting, and uh, chock full of, of stories that we, we always revisit. Let's just put it that way. It's, it's, the, gonna, best, it's the best U.S. con. I have no – you'll get no argument from me. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes right, makes New York look like a lemonade stand. Okay. <laughs> Dad, what was that? Have you decided if you're flying or driving, Mario? Uh, I believe I'm going to drive. Yes. Wow. That, that means yes. That I am going to uh, uh, go the night before to my parents, who are two hours south of me, and then I'm going to drive from there. It's it's it, from my parents. It's like a four hour drive. So. I, it will enable me to bring things that you can't fly with, and um, and have a, vehicle, have a vehicle. Have a vehicle. What's that? That's Which, what I was hoping to hear. When you when you sent the text a couple months ago, and you're like, "Oh, I don't know what I should do." I didn't. I didn't, I really didn't want to play my hand and be like, "Oh, you should totally drive, bro." Drive I'm gonna drive. To go. I'm gonna drive. So selfish. Oh, so happy. <laughs> I am. I am a selfish fucker. <laughs> you should know this. Yeah. 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 It's okay. We still love you. I know. Yes, of course. All right, people. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time around. We hope you come back next week because it is the book of the month. Remember, long list. Yeah. Long list of, of nominees, but the, the one that came in ahead of all the others was the Atari Force. Uh, we are reading 12 issues. 12. At least 12. We may, you know, Jesus. depending on the week. We're reading the first 12. 
one or two of us or all three of us may go beyond that if time permits. We may imply what goes on after the 12th issue, but go for 12 and then see where the moon strikes you. And we realize, totally realize, that it procuring a 12-issue run of Atari Force is kind of a difficult thing to do. It has never, to my knowledge, been collected in trade. The almost old, was. Almost. But I think, you know, it, with that name, it's it's problematic. So uh, you'll probably have to either scoop them up in back issue, which will probably cost you around 50 to to 100 bucks, Or, let's be honest, there are other ways to read it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not advocating piracy, but if the book was never collected, I don't see anybody losing money. So, you know, call me what you will. I'm just, I want to perpetuate the art. And you can't do that if it doesn't exist in a form that everybody can buy. So there you go. Come back next week. We'll be talking about Atari Force. We would love, well, we, 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 we do love, to thank Mario because he's our brother, he's a family, he's always here for us, and we thank him for coming on this here thing with us and, and helping us through. Thanks for having me, fellas. Always oh, you, good to talk to you. Yeah, you, you did better than Jason. Don't tell him. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, Jason, we love you. Wherever you are. Take it. Oh, there's a Lucille Ball clone in Blubber. With massive, oh, uh, what? What do you mean, lovely? Man, I can't wait. I'll see you in two days. Nice. <sighs> Say good night. Do you need accompaniment? <laughs> I just gotta know. Do you need it? No, I have to. Okay. So, so we're <laughs> David. What do you say, Mark? Good night. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Fuck it. (laughs) Oh, shit. My wine's empty. Mm. My wife says to me, she said today, I said, I'm going to stop at at the place and get some wine for tonight. David. uh, Nice. She said, you just got wine last week. I said... And you drink it. What are you talking about? You only get like three glasses of wine out of a bottle. Seriously. Yeah. 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 And she's like, whoa, whoa. Like all those grunting noises. And I'm like, I said. It's so hot. I said, no, it's the furthest thing from hot. (laughs) I said, woman, can you you give me my, my simple pleasures? Can I live? Yeah. Why don't you get beer? I said, because beer makes me feel like I drank two loaves of bread. Yeah. That's right. Bloat. That's right. And it ain't happening anymore. I, I I will persist with the grape because it just makes me feel good. And it doesn't knock me on my ass the next day. Right. You get that hop. I'm, I'm with you right there, man. Nothing's worse than hop farts. I mean, I think there might be something. Yeah, well, cancer's worth sin hot parts. But, yeah, cancer, multiple sclerosis, whatever. There's a long list. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. But hot parts are... Inhumanity. You guys are assholes. 
Come back. We love you. That's the most important part. We love you so much. Come back. We'll be here waiting with Atari Force and next episode and Jason. And Jason. Yes. That's the best part. <clears throat> Say bye. So tell them you love them. Latest. Latest. Bye. That's it for that one. <laughs>